there any other announcements or games? So there's, there's a lot of dessert dishes still left over. Please pick them up on your way out. If there's no further greetings or announcements, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Almighty God, you are so high above all that we can even imagine. The heavens of heavens cannot contain you and our words are pitiful to describe your grandeur. And yet we want to turn in worship and adoration. We're so thankful that you have been willing to take us unworthy specks of dust who have failed and spit in your face to take us as your children to train and to teach. And so, Father, this afternoon we, in humility and in desire and hunger, wish to come to your word, speak to us. Lord, you know the needs of each one of our hearts. We pray that your spirit would be free to work unhindered and that we would be undistracted in receiving instruction from thee, and that it would change us to your honor and glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The Lord has laid on my heart to uh, read this afternoon from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Beginning from verse 20. <clears throat> For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. 
For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together into condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. This past Sunday, we were very privileged to share together in this very special communion or the Lord's Supper, a, an ordinance that the Lord has given us, one of very few sacraments. We have the Lord's Supper and we have the baptism that he has given us as instructions for the church to carry out. And we read here together that it's a very special remembering of what God, what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. That his body was broken, his blood was spilt, and that because of that, we can be a part and, and, and the veil of the temples rent into, we can come into God's very presence, we can become his children, we can be washed clean and we have hope which before we had not, we have forgiveness forgiveness recently uh, I, I read that there was an outspoken atheist who often would speak her mind about uh, how she didn't see the need of God. But as she came to the end of her life, she said, there's one thing that I envy you Christians. I have no one to forgive me. Forgiveness is a need we all have. It's, there is no one, none righteous, the scripture says, no, not one. And every one of us, as we examine our hearts, we see, if we judge ourselves, that we have fallen short of God's standards, of God's holiness, and we need forgiveness. We can try to get around that by playing games with words, by trying to redefine what's right and wrong, uh, by trying to change the laws of the land to say that certain lifestyles are acceptable and indeed are protected and need to be promoted. Uh, and, and we can even convince society that it might be all right. But in our hearts, even those who do not know the word of God have a sense of shame, have a sense of guilt, and know they have sinned if they would take the time to even think about it. One thing I want to share. You cannot... 
receive from the Lord forgiveness. You cannot hold out your hand for forgiveness if it is a clenched fist. You cannot hold out your hand to receive the Lord's forgiveness if it is a clenched fist. Last Sunday after the communion service, a brother turned to me and shared the song that we had sung together. We had sung together hymn number 200 and beginning at verse 5, and which says, We are once more at one with thee. And that together we can go into God's kingdom. Why is it that we, after that communion service, feel the sense of oneness, of, of, of no um, holding of any barriers between each other, that we can see that we are all brothers and sisters washed by the blood of the Lamb without station or rank or uh, anything to place one above another. It is because we have, have thought and, and considered deeply that our Lord has purchased us with his blood and his body and that we have nothing to boast. We have been given grace undeserved. And this cannot be received with a clenched fist. In Peter of chapter 2, um, that's 2 Peter, it speaks of how we need to love each other with fervent charity in that charity covereth a multitude of sins. <clears throat> Love covereth a multitude of sins. And Peter is indeed quoting Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 10 where it says, Hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth a multitude of sins. And if we are able to receive God's abundant, undeserved love, we can need to, with an open hand to allow that to flow to one another. And when we do that, that we are able to, to forgive, to let go all the All the desire to see some sort of, 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 of penalty paid for the wrongs that we have experienced. That those sins that we have experienced, we are able to let be covered by love 
Proverbs also tells us that he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. That when we love and we are able to forgive and we are able to let go uh, our own pain that we have, may have experienced, the injustice we may have felt, and we recognize that compared to the injustice that the Lord Jesus Christ received even at our own hands and that he suffered in our place, when we see how small and petty those things are, then we forgive, but true forgiveness does not repeat a matter. It does not continue to bring it up once it's been forgiven. I read a story recently about a rabbi who had two brothers who, who came to him. And uh, they were quarreling and had been quarreling for some time. And so the rabbi talked with them at length and finally they were willing to, to let go and, and to, uh, to forgive each other. And the rabbi said, now that it's the, the Jewish New Year, why don't you uh, wish each other something good for the, the Jewish New Year? And the first brother says, okay, I wish for you, my brother, whatever you're wishing for me. And the second brother said, see, rabbi, he's starting out all over again. Because he assumed, of course. And we can see that this distrust and this, you know, I may have forgiven you, but uh, that's not a true and deep forgiveness. And that there's this, anything can be interpreted in this light of a new slight and a new offense and a new reason to hold on to old grudges. <clears throat> Psalms tells us, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. This morning, we heard about lawyers. People that were intimately familiar with the details of the law. But did they love the law? They knew the law. They loved knowing about the law. They loved being known for knowing the law. They loved the prestige that went along with that position. But the spirit of the law, the spirit, the, the law which reveals God's character to us, a character that rejoices in mercy 
that they did not absorb. And they seemed to be very easily offended. So much so that their pride being offended, they wanted to get rid of the stumbling block, Jesus Christ, that offended them. But if we love not only the set of rules, but the rule giver, if we love the Lord, who is the Word made flesh, then we will not be easily made to stumble or to be offended or to pick up offenses. Sometimes we can even choose to pick up other people's offenses. You see an injustice that happens to someone else that you're not even involved in and you feel offended on their behalf and, and want to, to charge in and be the lawgiver and to make things right and to make the guilty party in your perception, which may not be accurate, after all, you were not directly involved, to make them pay. But this is Satan's work. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. We can read in the case of Cain how this struggle was manifested and how the choice was there. Cain and Abel both made sacrifices to the Lord. Abel bringing a sheep from his flocks as the Lord had required and Cain bringing uh, an offering from his uh, fields. And the Lord respected Abel's offering rather than Cain. You know, we can surmise whether it was that God had given instruction that it's only by blood that uh, um, anyone that's there's remission of sins only through the blood or whether Cain did not bring the best, uh, whether he brought, you know, things in, in, a, in the wrong spirit. But the Lord did not respect Cain's offering and respected Abel's. There was a difference. And it seems to be that that's when opportunity for jealousy, for comparison, for Satan to take advantage. And Cain was very wroth, very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why are you so angry? 
Why are you so depressed? Why is your attitude and your face changed? Because of the countenance being the face, the old English is showing that your face is showing a change of emotions and attitudes towards God, towards your brother. And God says, this challenge, let's pay attention to this. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. God's saying, look, the responsibility is yours. You're getting angry because you're shifting responsibility, saying it's God's fault that my sacrifice, it's Abel's fault, it's favoritism, it's whatever God's saying, it's back to you. It's your responsibility. If you approach me in the right way, I will accept your sacrifice. But in any case, in your anger, in your position of not having peace, in your position of being offended, sin is at the door. It's the, the, the Hebrew word, it's crouching at the door. It's waiting to pounce on you. But you shall rule over him. We see the possibility of sin. We see the desire of Satan to take advantage. It's, it's, it's coiled up as a snake. It's crouched as a lion. It is waiting to seize this opportunity to ensnare that's what offend is in, in the New Testament. It's talking about being ensnared or a stumbling block or a snare. Because once the snare is, once you're caught in that snare, once you're caught in the trap of bitterness and bad feelings, it is, it is a struggle to get out of that. It is a trap that's easily in but not so easily out but you shall rule over him, God told Cain. You have a choice. You have a choice. Whether you will let sin master you, whether you will let it come through that door, that opportunity that's been opened through this offense, or whether you will say no. We know what happened with Cain. Now, in Cain's case, he really didn't have a case. In our case, we may feel we legitimately have suffered a true injustice and that we have reason to be angry. We have a reason to feel hurt. In fact, the more often we think about it, the more we can reinforce that sense of being offended. And that is part of the trap. That replaying, that reinforcing, that letting the sun go down on the wrath and that letting the root of bitterness take root. <clears throat> and why it's so important for us 
to be aware of the danger. Now, God is talking to Cain. And yet, Cain's not looking at God. Cain is looking at his brother Abel. He can't stand it. And he takes action. Horrendous. The first murder. But we have been given even more. As the blood of Abel cried from the ground for justice. The blood of Jesus Christ cries out for mercy, for forgiveness, undeserved for me and for you. We have received so much. We dare not close that hand to cut off, to take our focus away from the Lord Jesus Christ who should be high and lifted up, that we see him in his glory as John the Revelator describes him with eyes of fire, with, with uh, a sword proceeding out of his mouth, shining in brightness, a voice of thundering waters. But yet, even so, his wounds in our place, undisguised, he carries them. He doesn't cover them. They are his love for us in that majesty. We're all familiar with the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. Which defines love, the love that covereth sins, the love we have received and did not deserve, and the love that we are challenged to give. Speaking after chapter 12 of the many gifts in the body, of those who can do miracles and and those who can uh, preach and proclaim and prophesy and heal. But he says, that's good. Desire these gifts that can serve God, but yet I show you a more excellent way, one that is not unique to one person or another. The Spirit gives gifts individually, but love is a fruit of the Spirit. If you do not love, you do not have the spirit. This John is very plain about that. As he speaks about love, charity or love suffereth long, is kind, envieth not. Again, this comparison thing. Vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, the pride that gets in the way doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, gives up on the selfishness, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. The word thinketh in the Greek is about taking an inventory. 
It's an accounting term. Doesn't keep a record of wrongs, others would translate it. Doesn't keep track, an inventory of what evil things have been done to me. Love covereth a multitude of sins. Freely we have received. Freely let us give. I heard of a, a man. He was a missionary in, in Papua New Guinea. He was serving communion to a small group of believers there. And as another young man came in to join the circle, one that was there already, he saw a, a, a nervous flinch go through that, that first, first young man. He says, what's the matter? He says, that, that one who has just joined us, he ate my father. But yet, the same blood that covers my sins covers his also and I I am able to share God's the Lord's broken body and blood with him we have not suffered atrocities to those to that degree though sometimes Satan would want us to imagine that our injustice and our pain is is, is uncomparable to anyone else's. But it is uncomparable to what the Lord has done for us, to what the Lord has sacrificed for us, to the love, to the blood, and the body that was broken for us. May we be able to sing those words every Sunday. We are once more at one with thee. Let me read it. I don't want to miss the wording. <clears throat> we are once more at one with thee by this communion so that we, in spirit one and in one mind, our way to Zion's gate may find as pilgrims true. Please choose a hit. Three hundred and four, the last. Sorry, three forty-four.
verses 2 and 3. Father, we thank Thee for the reminder again from Thy Word that we have heard this afternoon of that perfect example that has been given to us in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Those in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, were given Thy Word, were given Thy law, that they could know Thy justice and Thy ways. But as we heard this morning, grace and truth and mercy came with Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful that for the new covenant, thou didst not send a new law, but thou didst send thy son, that we could learn from his example, from how he lived, the things he did, and ultimately the things that he suffered on the cross for us, that we could be reunited with thee. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the message that we've heard this afternoon. Help us each to go away from this and to carefully consider our own lives and how we live, the hurts that we hold on to, the, the feelings and, and thoughts that we have that need to be purged, that need to be washed away from our hearts and minds by the 
blood that was able to cleanse and forgive us. We know that if we do not forgive, that we cannot expect forgiveness from Thee. So, Heavenly Father, we would pray that Thou wouldst help us through the power of Thy Spirit to be purified so that we would better reflect the love of Thy Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, be with those among us that are that have not yet made that covenant with Thee, that are still bearing the weight of unforgiven sin. Heavenly Father, help them to realize how much they need Thy forgiveness and to surrender themselves before Thee to receive that free gift of salvation that is able to lift that heavy burden and give them new life. Heavenly Father, we also want to lift up in prayer unto Thee the many that we've heard of that have lost loved ones. There has been a number of brothers and sisters that have gone to their reward in the last few days. And dear Lord, we want to lift them up in prayer unto Thee, their families that have stayed behind, that they would be encouraged by the faithful witness that these brothers and sisters have given for thee, and that they have now finished their course and are at rest. Heavenly Father, help those of us that stay behind here to press on, that we may one day also be found faithful when our time comes. Be with us now, Heavenly Father. Provide for us the things that we need, and even forgive us where our prayers fall short of what they should be. And may thy Holy Spirit speak to thee the words that we are not able to speak. We commit all things into thy care and keeping, dear Lord, trusting that thou wilt add whatever is necessary and strengthen us for the days to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Indeed, it is a loss when those who are faithful, who've been a true and consistent example for us, have passed on to their reward. And we need to treasure these things in our heart to remember the ways in which they have reflected our Lord that we can also be able to reflect him to a coming generation appreciate that our dear brother Jarko was a man of conviction that conviction he was willing to pay for repeated five year terms in prison and yet though never compromising his convictions and his, um, his integrity before our God. He was not a man who held animosity towards anyone. He was a man who was gentle, a man who could reflect the spirit of Christ in humility. 
And I think there's much to be learned from that example. May the Lord speak to each one of us as we look not only to man, but first of all to our Lord Jesus Christ for his perfect example, reflected however dimly through those around us who, have, who are following him. And we would realize how much we need forgiveness, starting from me, starting from the believer right down to those who have not known him. We need his forgiveness. And therefore, we need to be forgiving. With that, we would conclude this afternoon's service.